Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. People that I know really, really well, I just forget their names all of a sudden. And at the time, um, I've got to tell you this because it it's, makes me look really, really bad. At the time when um, I wasn't even dating Leanne. I wasn't dating Leanne. And, uh, but I really liked Leanne, and we were talking, and, uh, and um, I was probably in the process of going to start to ask her out, and, and we went to this party, and at this party, it was a 70s party, we had to dress up in 70s gear, and the flares and everything, it was fantastic, but when I got there, um, someone told me, Dave, guess what, I said, what, and now, by the way, Leanne was coming to this party, so I was really looking forward to that, there's a girl here, and, she, and um, I've got to stop, pause a minute, there was a girl that started to like me, um, it was, you know, I, I liked her, but I wasn't, uh, it wasn't like romantic, but she started to like me. So there's a girl here, she's here tonight, and um, she's come especially for you. you. Can imagine how I felt, the predicament that I felt? I felt, oh gosh, I've come because I knew Leanne was coming. So um, anyway, I, I get to the party, I'm in the flares and everything, and um, I, I see this girl. So I thought, well, Leanne wasn't there yet, I'll go and sit by her. I just start talking to her. Anyway, I'm, I'm talking to her, and I felt a little bit trapped. You know, I'm there, I'm talking, and, and suddenly I see Leanne and, and the rest of the gang come over. And so I, I, I beckon them over to the table. I thought, well, what's the polite thing to do here? Introduce everyone to this, to this girl. But I've got to tell you, what happened? I, there was this girl, and sitting next to the girl was, was Leanne. But I couldn't remember Leanne's name. <laughs> So I thought what I'd do, I'd start with the opposite direction. So there's about sort of 10 people around the table. I thought, this will buy me a bit of time. Good thinking, you see. And I went around, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. And it came to Leanne, and it, it, her name just didn't come back to me. And I went, and this is Leanne. The name's Leanne. And I wasn't in her good books. And... Uh, but we, we, we smoothed it out, and um, it, wasn't, it was probably, probably a couple of weeks later we started dating. It was fantastic. But names are important when it comes to identity, isn't it? And identity is important. And have you ever thought about identity um, and responsibility going hand in hand? When you have a certain identity, it means that you, you do certain things. I've been a student on a, a few occasions. And uh, when I became a student at university, I... I I enrolled for the course, and I got signed up for the course, and I got my NUS, National Union of Students, card to identify that I was a member of the student union and that I was officially a student. Yay! That meant I could get discounts in shops and all that sort of stuff. So being a student, I had an identity as being a student. But with the identity of being a student came a responsibility. Guess what? I had to go to lectures. Because what's the point of being a student and not going to lectures? Okay, there was a few, few lectures I didn't go to. Um, but generally, I wanted to go to lectures because I wanted to learn. How am I going to progress in my field of study unless I attended the lectures, got the information, and learned how to apply it in my life? So I began to see that there's a, there's a relationship t- between identity and also responsibility. And this morning, I want to talk particularly to um, those of us here today that would call ourselves a Christian. And if you are a guest here today, we're so glad that you're with us today. And maybe some of you might 
be here today and you're not yet a Christian, you're on the journey and wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian, well, this morning, just relax, because I'm going to say some things particularly to Christians and I'll give you a bit of an insight about what it means to be a Christian today. But I want to bring some challenge. Um, as I've been looking into this and, and just praying over it, there's some challenge I want to bring to, to all of us today about what it is to be the church. Thank you. So, I guess this, this, this point here is, being the church means you have a new identity and a new responsibility. Being the church means you have a new identity and a new responsibility. Somehow in our culture, in our language, we've got used to saying, I've said this on several occasions, I'm going to church. Maybe even this morning you've said to someone, I'm going to church today. But the reality is, we've got used to in our culture saying that this building, this location, is the church. But that is absolutely incorrect, because we don't go to church, we are the church. If we're a Christian here this morning, if we profess faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, then we belong to this amazing concept called the church. We don't belong to a building, but we belong to the global um, network of, of the family of God's people called the church. We don't go to church, we are the church. And when we understand that we are the church, it has significant implications for each of our lives. Absolutely. Being the church, go back up please, being the church means you have a new identity and a new responsibility. I'm going to show you this next slide. This might be a bit of a challenge to some of us this morning. Okay. Thank you, Felix. Because there's different mindsets of what church is about. And if you find yourself thinking some of these things, particularly on the left-hand side, don't feel under any condemnation, but I want to show and talk about another way of thinking about church. Because if we don't go to church, we are the church. It has an implication for us in terms of responsibility. See, there are different ways of thinking about church. One is what I would call the consumer church. And if you can see on the left-hand side, it has language like this. Church is seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services. People come to church to be fed, to have their needs met through quality programs, and to have the professionals teach their children about God. And that uses the language of, I go to church. So basically it's the professionals who might stand on a stage and, and teach the word of God, and we come and, and we're served. And it's very much about a consumer way of thinking. But never once was that in Jesus' mind and God the Father's mind when the, the church was born. And the other way of thinking about church is what's called the missional church. And that has a different language. See, see if you can see the difference of that. The missional church talks about a body of people sent on mission who gather in community for worship, community encouragement and teaching from the word of God in addition to what they are self-feeding themselves throughout the week. So there's still a sense of there's, there might be some preached word, but there's different emphasis. Let me show you the next slide, please. And we'll see this in red. So we have a body of people. The church is not the building, it's the people. It's us. We are the church. It's a body of people, people who have a purpose. We're sent on a mission by Father God. We're sent on a mission. And what do we do on this mission? There's many things, but one of the things we do, we gather together in community. So this morning is fantastic. We gather together in community. 
Yes, we're in a church service, but church doesn't start the moment we walk through the door um, and, and start the service. Church, you are the church. It's 24-7. You can't switch it off if you're a Christian. Church, you are part of the church, full stop. So when you come, there's times when we gather together in community for special purposes like worship, community encouragement. Another word for that is fellowship. We come together to encourage. Have you come together this morning to think, who can I encourage this morning? Who can I encourage? And do you know what? I've said this time and time before. You just talking to someone, you thinking, I'm going to encourage someone this morning, could just be a word in season that they need. You may, words might come from your lips and your heart, which encourages someone, and you didn't know it's just what they needed. Maybe they had a difficult week, and the words that come from our, our mouths can really help build them up. For worship, for community encouragement, and teaching for the word, in addition to, to what we are self-feeding, so when we realise that we are the church, we don't just come to a service to be fed from the word of God, but we're doing it at home. We're doing our best to try and, as, as difficult as the Bible might be sometimes, and understanding what it means, we're trying to read it, trying to understand, trying to connect with God, trying to pray, so that we're building our relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ. And the difference in languages is, I don't go to church, I am the church. We don't go to church, we are the church. And so I want to take this forward this morning. Thank you. Being the church means you have a new identity and a new responsibility. And we're going to see what Jesus had in mind when he spoke to Peter on a very significant occasion in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13. And the words will come on your screen. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Jesus was always in the habit of asking probing, heart-searching questions. He always wanted to get to the crux of the matter. Who are people saying that I, the Son of Man, am? We lose something in, in this. But when Jesus is referring to himself as the Son of Man, he's referring back to messianic prophecies. Because the people of Israel are expecting a Messiah, that's someone, a figure, that's going to come and set them free from their captives. They're going to come and bring them into freedom. And it's been prophesied in all of the, New Te- in all of the Old Testament that this, this certain figure, this Messiah, was going to come. And so when Jesus was saying, I, the Son of Man, what he was really saying is, because the Son of Man is also used in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, for example, chapter 7. And so when he's saying, I'm the Son of Man, he's saying, he's referring, I'm actually that Messiah. But when I say I'm the Son of Man, he's saying, do you know what? I'm fully human. I'm fully human. Guess what? I'm this, I'm this Messiah, but what you see to, in front of you today is flesh and blood. I'm fully human. So he says, and he probes this question, he says, who do men say that I, this Messiah, but fully human, the Son of Man, am? So they said, well, some say John the Baptist, and Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And the reality is, no one at that time, no one was considering Jesus to be the Messiah. What we see in Jesus' life is he was doing amazing things. He taught the people, he taught 
vast crowds and multitudes. He worked amazing miracles. At this point, he's already fed 5,000 people out of five loaves and two fishes. He's already fed 4,000 people. He's already raised a girl back to life. He's already opened blind eyes and, and paralyzed limbs. He's already healed them. This guy, whoever people thought about them, was doing amazing things and working amazing miracles. Who do men say that I, I am? And it's interesting because John the Baptist had, at this point, died. He'd been killed for his faith. Even John the Baptist wasn't sure that Jesus was the Messiah or not. He said, are you really the one that is to come? And Jesus replied saying, well, tell, tell him that blind eyes are open. No one at this time knew that Jesus was this Messiah figure that was predicted to come. And then saying to them, but who do you say that I am? It's easy to follow the crowd, isn't it? It's easy to say what the crowd are saying. It's easy to pick up what, what people are whispering and, and to repeat it. But here comes a question that comes to personally to um, the disciples around him. Who do you Forget everyone else. Forget the crowd. Forget the, the, the wave of opinion. Who are you saying today that I am? And the question comes to us today. Who are you saying today that Jesus of Nazareth was and is? Who is Jesus of Nazareth? And I can imagine a bit of quietness as people are thinking, perhaps in confusion, perhaps literally not knowing, and that's fine. Perhaps some in doubt. They've, they've been walking with Jesus and seeing these amazing things that he's done, and perhaps a bit confused. Perhaps I would have been. And suddenly, in this confusion, perhaps these doubts about who Jesus really, really was, a man called Simon Peter, a fisherman, pipes up. And he, and he said, answers and said in verse 16, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So in a moment of confusion, and no one has recognized Jesus as being this Messiah figure. Simon Peter, a fisherman, says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And what that really means Christ, it was the Greek word for meaning, sometimes we think Jesus Christ. Christ wasn't Jesus' surname. Christ meant anointed one. It was the Greek form of Messiah. And Peter was saying, you're the Messiah. Jesus, you're the Messiah. But what we see that we miss in it is, he's not just saying you're the Messiah. Jesus said at the beginning, his question was, who that I, the son of man, am? Who am I? Perfectly human. And Peter's response says, you are the Messiah, you're the Christ, the son, not of man, but the son of God. That means you're the Messiah, but there's something about your nature that is absolutely divine. And whatever we think about Jesus makes all the difference. And I'm not going to talk today about the, the Trinity, the Trinity is a concept, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that is hard to get our heads around, but in it we understand that Jesus was fully God, yet fully man. That meant, if he's fully man, and sometimes we think of Jesus as God can do anything, walking on earth, 
but he had the constraints and the confines of being human. That meant he, he, he hurt, he bled, he felt rejection, he felt the emotions that you and I go through all the time. He identified with that. Jesus was fully human, yet fully God. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, was Peter's reply. And Jesus says, and Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Wow. Flesh and blood, no one's told him this because no one's thinking about it. No one's thinking that Jesus was the Son of God or God himself. But my Father, who is in heaven, and Jesus was saying, Simon, God has revealed this to you. It's amazing. And in verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter. Peter means rock. It actually means it's, it's petros. It actually means um, a small rock, a part of a rock. You're Peter. You're a small rock. And on this rock, Petra, pause. The, the Jews thought of God as the rock. Immovable, unshakable, fully trustworthy. In times of crisis, in times of, of goodness, God was always there. Immovable, unshakable, their rock. And what Jesus was saying is, on this rock, on this confession of your faith, Peter, on what this truth of what you've seen that I really am, that I am God and yet I'm man, on this truth, I will build my church and it's going to crumble down within a week. On this rock, I will build my church and it may not work out. Is that right? On this church, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so, Christian, this morning, what was Jesus referring to? See, many of us wonder, what is there after life? Is there life after death? And if we've been on this journey of faith called Christianity for a while, we believe that there's life after death. But what does that look like? What does that, that feel like? What's it going to be? What do we know that Scripture is talking about? Because Jesus has done something for us. If he's really who he said he was, he's done something very significant for us. This, it's been said of Jesus, either he was mad, or he was bad, or he was the Son of God. But let's have none of this nonsense that he was just a good man. Because people throughout ages have died for their faith. These very um, disciples gave up their lives willingly because they saw Jesus come back to life after being crucified on the cross. So what was it about Jesus? What is he saying about Hades or, or hell? Christians believe, and this can be your, your belief even this morning, that when we die and we have a faith in Jesus Christ, that means we've asked God to, to come into our lives to forgive us of all the stuff that we do wrong. And if you're like me, you're constantly saying, God, forgive me. When we die, we go to a temporary place called heaven. A place of bliss, 
a place that is temporary until there's a final judgment. Until then, we, there's a new heaven and a new earth. But the Bible refers to a place called Hades. Hades is also a temporary place. The Bible talks about it in terms of a place of torment. A place where if we didn't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, we didn't have that understanding and that friendship, and that's where we go temporarily until there's a judgment. Do you think Jesus knew what Hades was about? Acts tells us, the book of Acts, that when Jesus died, he was completely, didn't do anything wrong. He died a sinless death for every single thing that you and I do that is wrong. The thoughts, the actions, the words, everything. And that was almost like laid upon him. Wow. And as a result, the Bible says, Jesus, when he died on the cross, though his body was left behind, and our bodies are left behind, aren't they, when they, when they die, his soul went not into heaven, but into Hades. Jesus saw Hades, this temporary place of torment, for just over two days. But that wasn't the final word. Because the final word is, he had to completely, remember he was God, but he was also man. He had to trust Father God. He said, I think as Anne referred to earlier, Jesus didn't want to die but not what I want, God, let, let your will be done. And Jesus went to Hades, and then Father God resurre- res- resurrected him back to life on the third day. He had tasted death. He had looked death in the face. He would also looked ha- Hades in the, face, in the face and said, no, anyone that believes in me is going to have everlasting life. That has a chance to be with me forever. So many people I know in my experience see this heaven thing as a ticket of, well, I'm, I'm just going to do what I want to do and then I'm going to, um, you know, maybe on my deathbed I'll, I'll, I'll say the prayer and I'll get my ticket to heaven. And if the prayer is from the heart, then God welcomes us into heaven. But the reality is we've missed out a lifetime of building a relationship. I'm married to Leanne and we've been married for 11 years. Now, when we first got married, I knew Leanne so much, okay? And we've got to know each other loads over the last 11 years. But if I only knew her still that very much today, the same amount as when we first got married, what sort of marriage would that be? Let's say we never spoke to each other, never spent time with each other. We wouldn't get to know each other. It wouldn't be much of a marriage, would it? But we've had the, the pleasure and the privilege of of spending time with each other, getting to know each other, knowing what makes each other cross, knowing how to make each other laugh, and the joys that go with a friendship and a marriage. And that's what God wants. That's what Jesus wants. He wants a friendship with us. He wants a friendship where we can just spend time with him, just doing life, just doing life. And as we do life, just connecting with God. As we're going to work, going to work, God, help me today. Um, help me to help someone today. Help me to be able to serve someone today. And God says, yeah, I'll help you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the, the age. 
And we build that relationship of, of trust. We get to know Jesus over a period of time. That when crisis hits our lives, and crisis happens to good people and bad people, when crisis hits our life, we learn to trust God, to lean on to God through thick and thin. Sometimes we learn to lean on, on God when there's a, a small crisis happens. When we know that God came through to us, to us on that small crisis, we have full assurance that God will come through for us on big crises. God doesn't promise us an easy life, but he does promise to be with, there with us all the time. I'm with you even to the end of the age. And verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Peter. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And what he was saying there is, um, I'm going to give you the ability to teach people. And in your teaching, what you loose, what you, what you um, permit, and what you bind and what you, you don't permit, don't allow, it's going to be agreed and said a yes from heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. And verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So Jesus began to tell them that he was going to die, that he was going to suffer. But even when it happened, they didn't really fully understand it. Great, let's go to the next slide. Thank you. And the next one. We are the church. So having read all this, having maybe get a sense of what Jesus did on the cross, that Jesus went to Hades for every single one of us so that we don't have to, that we can know a relationship with God and we can go to heaven. It means that being the church means we have that tension of having identity in Jesus but also responsibility. We don't just go to a church because we are the church. It means there has to be change in our lives and in your lives. And the first thing I just want to say right now in, in working this through and bringing this to an end is being the church means you have a new identity. When we come to Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm beginning to believe. One of my favorite quotes from the, the, the Matrix trilogy, I'm beginning to believe. When we're beginning to believe, in Jesus, that he is who he says he is. And we say, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm weighing up the facts of who you are. I'm going to ask you to come into my life. I'm unsure maybe what that means or what that's going to look like, but I want you to do something with my life. God will do that. He absolutely will do that. But it means he gives us a brand new identity. It's a bit like having a shower. Who likes to have a shower? You go into the shower, maybe you've done a hard day's work and you're sweaty, you go in the shower and you're absolutely clean. And when we come to God, God, come into my life. God, just forgive me for the stuff I do wrong. It's like taking a shower and God cleans us and we have our conscience is clean and we know joy, we know love, we see life in a different way. And that's an amazing thing that happens. We have a brand new identity. Some people say that we're sinners saved by grace, but that's incorrect. God calls us saints. Saints isn't just for the select few like St. Peter, St. Paul. When you're a Christian, you're a saint. You're, you're loved by God, and God has lavished his grace upon you and calls you special. 
We have a new identity. And with that comes the responsibility of gathering together in community. People ask, can I be a Christian and stay at home on a Sunday? Well, technically, you can be, but you can't be. Because to be a Christian means living in community with each other, doing life. Being a Christian has vertical and horizontal responsibilities. Vertical with God, living our lives out with God, and horizontal with humanity and with each other, doing life for each other. Being the church means you have a new identity, gathering community. Secondly, being the church means you have a new responsibility to grow in maturity. The Father heart of God, God's heart and Jesus' heart is, if he could wish one thing for every single one of us today, one thing for everyone that's in this room, one of the sound of my voice, one thing he could wish and, and desire is that you and I would grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That you and I would grow in a friendship with Jesus Christ. No matter what your starting position is, whether it's a starting position of no faith, I don't understand, I don't fully understand it all, but I'm going to take a step of faith. Or whether it is you say you call yourself a Christian, but perhaps you've been stuck in your ways for a little while. Maybe you've been stuck and I'm a Christian, I, I go to church, well I don't go to church, I go to a church service, and, uh, but I'm stuck. I'm not seeing any development, any growth. Well, God would want you to take another step in your relationship and your walk with Jesus Christ. There's different ways that that can happen. But God doesn't want us to be stuck. He wants us to take, make progress. God wants it to be fruit from our lives. And do you know what? We speak about heaven in terms of there being a judgment and God, and God wants to bless us. But there's also rewards. In heaven there are rewards for the fruit that we see from our lives. Not as we see, but as God judges us. God says, yeah, that, that, that kind deed that you showed that, some, that person in your workplace, that listening ear that you gave that person that was in crisis, that's fruit. You were busy. You didn't have to, but you did it. That's amazing. That's great. I'm going to reward you for that. God wants us to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Many ways that we do that, we, we grow in a way that we worship God. Remember, singing on a Sunday service isn't, isn't worship, it's a part of worship. But how we live our lives, how we conduct ourselves 24-7 is worship. Maybe getting along to a life group, a small group where we can plug in and, and, and in, in a small community, not less on a Sunday there's more of us, but in a smaller community, get to know each other, pray with each other, is a way of growing. There's different ways that we can grow in maturity. And we'll hear more about that in the next few, few weeks. But also, it means we can, um, new response be in going in diversity. Jesus said, after he raised back to life again, he met his disciples on the mountain. And what was the last instruction that came to them? The last instruction to them was to go into all the world and make disciples. And baptise them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Teach them to believe all things I have commanded you. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And we look at that and we think, oh, he wants us to go. But the first thing is, go in order to teach people to be disciples. That's growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you've come here this morning and you understand maybe one sense of 
something in your heart, I want to take a step forward. That's you take a step forward in your discipleship and knowing who God is. But also God wants us to go. What does that mean? That means wherever you are in life, university, workplaces, community, street, the relationships that you have, God wants you to invest time in them. God wants you to genuinely reach out to people. Show the love of God in practical ways. Pray for people. Help people. Serve people. Not in order to get them to come to church. Forget that. Serve people because in your heart you want to follow Jesus. Yes, by all means, we invite people to church. We invite people to hear the good news. We invite people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But your going is being where God has placed you. And diversity means doing it your way. Your, your unique gifts and talents and who you are, who God has made you to be. God maybe wants you to take a, ne a next step in that even today. What's your next step in your going? Maybe you, you can pray even today. God, help me today to be able to help someone. You can help someone without even... You don't have to preach the gospel Jesus said, just go. Just be yourself. Just be in the community. And just love people. Just help people. Just serve people. And by this will people know that you are my disciples. By the love. In conclusion, we don't go to church. We are the church. And being the church means you have a new identity and a new responsibility. What's your next step? What is your next step? Is it a next step of making a decision to pass for the first time, saying, yes to God, I'm going to become a Christian? I don't know what that fully means, but I'm there. I think I'm there. Well, maybe your next step is to explore a bit more of the Christian faith. Maybe come to an Alpha course. Maybe if you're a Christian, your next step could be, well, I just, I've been stuck. Things that cause us to be stuck maybe disobedience to God, maybe just cold-heartedness, whatever that is. But I don't want to be stuck anymore, God. I want to come out of this. this I want to take a step forward. Well, maybe it's the next step in terms of our going, going in diversity, going where God has placed you. Maybe it's with a renewed commitment. God, I'm not going to go and slam people over the head with the Bible. You don't need that. You don't need to get on a street corner with a megaphone. Just be yourself. And share the love of God in practical ways. Shall we pray? We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.